It's December. Although right here, I don't know, it's maybe 55 degrees, so it doesn't feel December-y. Yeah, yeah. It's not quite 55. I'd say it's probably maybe high 40s. So we're getting okay. tons of rain. It's just been a wet, sloppy morning. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I <laughs> I spoke evangelistically. It's 47. Oh, okay. But it'll get up to, get up to 43. So, yeah, it's about the same yeah. here as there. Are but it doesn't, feel, it doesn't feel nativitous. Yeah. <laughs> I think I don't even think that's a word, but now it is nativity. It, <laughs> it doesn't yes, it doesn't feel a lot like Christmas, but it kind of looks like Christmas. Sure. A lot of people have their lights up on their house, have the trees up, yeah. wreaths and all of that. Yeah. But yeah. wait a minute. Can we have that and still cool. be a Christian? Gosh, that's a great question cuz I've already got lights and a tree and everything. Am I less of a Christian now? I know, I know. That's a really real question people are asking. Yeah. Can Christians, should Christians, celebrate Christmas? Uh-huh. Re regale us with one of your stories. Well, there's certainly lots of Christmas stories that come to mind. Uh, some of them not so festive, but one that <laughs> I'll tell that I wouldn't call one of my stories because technically the event occurred just a little bit before I started. And... I still reflect on it because it had a major impact on me then and actually still does today because it really taught me how to look at things with the big picture in mind. And so when I started, my FTOs on night shift told me, you know, this guy that we're working with on night shift, good officer, a guy that I like to this day, even though he's moved on to a different career. Very good officer, but they used him as an example. They said, we're going to make this a teaching moment for everybody because just this past Christmas, here's what he did. And the gist of it is this. We had a person that apparently had stolen some Christmas lights. And when this officer sees that person, he's in his cruiser, he sees this person and he goes to pursue after the person who is trying to run away and in the process damages the police car. The officer damages his car, turning around, trying to get to the bad guy, trying to tackle him and take down this person who has stolen these Christmas lights, right? Unhand those lights, <laughs> right. evildoer. Right. Uh, the guy was furry and green and lived up on this mountaintop <laughs> and a little yellow dog. You're no. a rotten, <laughs> Mr. Grinch. <laughs> uh, I don't think he actually was dressed as a Grinch, but that would have made a better story for sure. Oh, that would make a great story. <laughs> <laughs> so he tackles the Christmas light bandit, gets the Christmas lights back, only to discover later that through the course of his actions, he does a lot of damage to the cruiser. You know, like something crazy, like at the time, $2,500, $3,000 worth of damage. And this is going back, <laughs> you know, 23, 24 years ago. Right. And so he had to then answer the question that the captain would later ask, did you know that you did $3,000 worth of damage to the cruiser? And well, <laughs> yes, sir, but I caught the bad guy. And then yeah. his reply was, did you know the bad guy had $19 worth of Christmas lights? <laughs> <laughs> We're glad you caught the bad guy. We don't want to let crime escape and, and get away. With right. It good, but right. It, what's the big picture here? You know, next you thing you know, something? he'll be ripping off wreaths off front doors. Right. Exactly. Could you have done something differently? Could you have done it a different way? And, and right. maybe, make it make sense that you got the right. bad guy, you got the $19 or, or $17, whatever it was at the time, worth of lights back to the store. 
without doing thousands of dollars of damage to the car. So <laughs> <laughs> I've been reluctant to tell that story over the years because I don't consider it my story, but it did have sure. an impact on me because my field training officers on midnight shift said, don't do this. Make sure right. that this doesn't happen. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> as a new officer, I wanted to go out there and turn over stones. I wanted to catch bad guys. And they said, you got to temper that a little bit with some common sense. We like that you want to be active. We like that you want to get into stuff, but you got to make sure that you're looking at the big picture. And, you know, that had an impact even to this day that in the position I'm in, I always try to look at that big picture. Some people sure. put it this way. They say something like, is the juice worth the squeeze? And you know, what is that outcome? What are you doing to get that outcome? Is it really worth it? And so I try to make a lot of decisions and think of things when we're in planning and, and decision making. Am I thinking of what those results are going to be and how we achieve those because the ends don't always justify the means i get that that that's a very popular mindset for some sure. people but you can't really live by that you got to really look at the big picture in the long term think of the long game and so i i always reflect back on that story and i got to be honest there are oftentimes I look at Christmas lights in the store and I think of that story just because of the fact that if you knew the people involved, if you knew the supervisors at the time, if you knew the officer at the time, the, the, the sense of humor they had, I can just imagine that maybe when they're still out once in a while, they look at a box of Christmas lights and go, remember that time so-and-so <laughs> ruined that cruiser because he had to get those Christmas lights back to the store. Yeah. So that's a fun story for me. And it's one of the more lighthearted ones we think of at Christmas, because as you're praying for police officers this Christmas season, firefighters, first responders, uh, this is not generally a time of joy and jolly that they're experiencing right. because of the type of calls they have to handle and the things that they right. have to especially this time of year. So that's one I can share on our podcast. It's a little more lighthearted, even yes. though at the time, I'm sure the officer had a big gulp in his throat when the captain said, we need to talk. Right. That's right. <laughs> he might give me a medal. I, he may give yeah. me a commendation. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. We'd like yeah. to congratulate you on apprehending the ne'er-do-well who ripped off these Christmas lights. Right. <laughs> that conversation went a lot differently than he expected, I'm sure. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> yeah. I think so. What do you want, Captain? You want to give me a star? No, no, not exactly what I had in mind. <laughs> I think you know, knowing his uh, sense of humor, he probably had a little smirk and, and said, yeah, but I caught the bad guy. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. That's a, that's a great story. And that's also a great point to make that we do need to, especially this Christmas time, we need to be praying for our officers, first responders, yeah. and be kind to them. If, let me just say this for the general public, if you're out and about and you're not abiding by the laws of the land and you are pulled over, please don't get upset with the officers. They don't want to pull you over in the snow as, any more than you want to be, Right. but they want you to be safe. I remember in 2020, I believe it was Christmas Eve, our daughter was having some severe, severe abdominal pains. And so i took her up to the hospital, to the emergency room, and on the way up to the hospital, there was one of our officers out on the square helping a motorist who was stranded because of their vehicle had gotten into a snow drift, and so they were pretty much stuck on the square, and he's out there in deep, deep snow, cold, cold weather, and he's trying to push a car that doesn't want to go up right. a hill, and I just thank you for doing that while all of us are safely and nestled in front of a fireplace eating sure 
shortbread cookies and dipping them in, in milk. Yeah, you guys yeah. are out there, not only fighting bad guys, but also helping good guys to have a Merry Christmas. So thank you. Thank you for all you do and all the guys and gals in blue do. Well, thanks, LJ. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I think that in addition to some of the tough stuff that officers have to deal with, that a lot of people may also forget that really, especially around Christmas time, we, you know, we take it very seriously. At least our guys do when it comes to depriving anyone of their liberty, taking the jail. It's not a game to us, certainly. But I've talked to officers, including one recently, who just is a really, really good traffic enforcement officer, does a great job. And it's interesting how a lot of them have mentioned to me, man, I just hate writing tickets this month. I know what it's going to cost to this person. I know that it's going to come out of their bill money, their Christmas money. So if people have the impression that officers are out there just to give them a hard time to take them to jail, to write them tickets, believe it or not, cops are humans too. And right. I remember being out there writing those tickets around Christmas time and thinking, I hate that I got to do this. I don't have yeah. a choice. I got to do it, but I hate this for this person. So right. th they are human beings. Let's not forget. And be good. Just don't make them have to write you a ticket. Slow down. Exactly. Don't stop signs. <laughs> just behave right. Exactly. Exactly. For, for their Christmas, just be nice. <laughs> be nice. There you go. There you go. <laughs> don't break the law. <laughs> don't break. Don't break the law. Very right. good. That's all we want. All right. Well, let's dive in right after this little interlude. Let's dive into this question: Should Christians celebrate Christmas? Should we have Christmas lights up on our house so somebody could rip them off? Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's dive into that right after this. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Preacher and the Policeman. I'm LJ. I'm the Preacher. And I'm Andy. I'm the Policeman. And we'll be right back right after this. Okay, and we're back. All right. And our question is, should Christians celebrate Christmas? And of course, the answer, the obvious answer is yes. Why not? Why would we not celebrate Christmas? Sure. But the objection to that obvious answer is because Christmas is pagan. Christmas started with pagan origins. And let's establish a few things. One, God is holy. Mm -hmm. Two, God is one. He yeah. will have no other idols before him or above him or beside him because there is none before him, above him, beside him. He is God alone. And in the Old Testament especially, Israel got into all kinds of trouble when they started worshiping other gods, other idols. And even some of them had a whole dance card worth of gods they were worshiping. And some of them would worship those gods under, the Bible says, under every green tree, which was just kind of euphemistic for everywhere. In yeah. public, everywhere, they were blatant about how they worshiped God or worshiped gods. And so many people, Christians in our day, have an issue with Christmas because they consider it to be of pagan origin. If it started off evil, well, it cannot be redeemed. It is evil, it was evil, it is evil, it will always be evil. problem with that logic is there's so much that has pagan origins in our days of the week. That's all pagan. Sunday, the sun god. Monday, the moon god. Thursday, Thor, those are Saturn, Saturday, Saturn, those are all pagan origin. Yeah. So when I tell you that I'll meet you on Sunday or I'll see you Sunday, I'm not telling you I will see you so we can worship the sun god together. I'm just telling you, hey, on the first day of the week, you and I are going to see each other. So we have a lot of things with pagan origin. Even I, I wear a wedding ring on the left, on my left hand, on the 
third finger, I guess, if you can't count the thumb as a finger, which I think is weird, but there it is. But I wear that because that's our tradition, that that's where a married man would wear a wedding band. But according to pagan origin, it's the third finger of the left hand because that was believed to have a vein that went all the way from the finger to the heart, which was kind of symbolic of this is going to show my love for my wife. Well, I don't wear that. I had no idea that I have a vein that goes. (laughs) Yeah, I had no idea. But that has a pagan origin. And even back in school, we would cross our fingers. We'd cross our fingers. I hope this works out for us. Or for those who are a little more nefarious than most, you'd cross your fingers when you wanted to tell a lie but didn't want us to know you were telling a lie. (laughs) But what I read is that that comes from a pagan origin as well, that you would take your two index fingers and cross them together so you could try to harness the good spirits that were hovering nearby. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not doing that. So... So much of what we do, simply the point, is so much has pagan origins. Right. And these Christmas traditions, most likely, those are pagan origins. A Christmas tree. The Bible doesn't say anything about a Christmas tree with lights and garland or popcorn, which when I was a kid, we put popcorn on the bottom of the tree, and our dog ate it all. We came home (laughs) one night. (laughs) <laughs> popcorn was gone and dogs over the corner just like oh regret all my life's decisions right <laughs> or wreaths or carols or a lady named carol singing carols to another lady named carol we don't have any of those things in the bible mm-hmm. many of our christmas traditions come from somewhere outside of the bible the fact that we celebrate christmas on december 25th we don't know when jesus was truly born Though some have made the argument that he was born around Passover. Some have made the argument he was born in the fall of the year. We don't really know for sure. So the question is, do the origins of these traditions we have at Christmas time, and really, I mean, we could go into almost any holiday, Easter, Christmas. Sure. Hopefully next year we'll get to cover Halloween, and, and should Christians even observe Halloween at all in any capacity. Does that make them evil? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think a, a lot of those things, you can break them down into separate issues. You know, the issue of what day he was actually born on should be celebrated. It's really the pagan Yule, et cetera, or right down to the, do we bring a tree into the house? Do we have a mistletoe in the house? I think that those are all, each one of them, they are $19 Christmas lights. And I think when Christians get hung up on that, they miss the bigger picture. I think sure. that for People who are celebrating Christmas who aren't Christians, they have their reasons, obviously, and maybe will say things like, you know, I don't really need to observe anything about Jesus, the birth of Jesus. I'm not a believer, et cetera. I don't believe in that stuff. For the Christians, we are celebrating something that certainly has its own tradition. America has traditions. If people didn't know, we have our own traditions. Sure. And I think that we have to be very careful that we separate tradition from worship. When I bring my tree in, when I hang my Christmas lights on the house, which thankfully I did before we got this rainy weather, (laughs) I'm not doing it as an act of worship. I worship God. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But I'm not doing those things because I worship and serve him. That's a separate issue. So to me, I think it's important that we, we make that distinction. I'm not saying a separation because to me, what's the point in celebrating Christmas personally if you don't believe in Jesus? I think right. <laughs> right. it's a little bit weird, but 
you know, whether you're a pagan and you call it the Yule or whether you're observing the winter solstice, whatever the case may be, I realize there are connections to be made, but those connections don't exist when it comes to my worship. My worship to, to God is completely separate from any holiday, any holiday tradition, or any day of the year. Same here. Our motive matters. Absolutely. Yeah. But some people will still say and still object. Say, well, it doesn't matter your motive. Jeremiah says our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Can't even know it. So what about this? If it has pagan origin, yeah. we can't do it because it came from pagan origin. Again, one another thing, if if that is the 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 measuring tape we will use to say can't cross this line because it has pagan origin, then yeah. we have to change so much of our own culture, and the least of which would be the days of the week. We can't call it Sunday anymore. We need to call it the first day of the week. And if you do that, that's fine. So if the issue is pagan origin, then more than Christmas has to be changed, and a whole lot more. Sure. But what what if something that was pagan could be redeemed? Like, this was the coolest thing. Yesterday, one of my colleagues said, hey, do you know what they sang at Rockefeller when they lit the Christmas tree there? I said, no, huh? He said, hey, listen to this. So he played the clip, and this is New York City, not exactly known for their sterling morality or their conservative values. Mm-hmm. They go through the countdown, five, four, three, two, one, and they could have sung anything. Mm-hmm. We wish you a Merry Christmas, anything. Yeah. They sang, oh, come, let us adore him. Wow. And that to me was, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I hear the name of Jesus. I hear Christ. I hear the Christmas carols that herald his incarnation. I hear that in stores when throughout the year I'm hearing Duran Duran. Sure. <laughs> it's a nice departure from all of that. Yeah, yeah. But what's wonderful is so many people are thinking about, talking about, singing about, even singing to Jesus this time of year. So could it be that something that was pagan can be redeemed? Mm-hmm. So here, it's a tense question, and I get it. It's contentious. Sure. There was another contentious question that would be just as contentious and in fact, probably even more so back in the New Testament. So the question is, is this in the Bible? No. So should we do it? Well, here's a contentious issue back then. Can Christians eat meat that was offered to an idol? Mm. And that, to us, doesn't make a lot of sense because whatever, we just go to Lanning's or Smithheiser's or Walmart or wherever and get our meat problem solved. Yeah. And now let's move on to world peace and solve that problem. But their day was much different than our day. They got their meat from one of two places, the meat market in the public mm-hmm. or the temples. The meat market in the public was expensive, but the meat at the temple was cheaper and it was better. So for many of those temples, and we're not talking about the temple to Yahweh, God, the temples to Aphrodite or Diana, to Apollo, to Zeus, to any of those other gods yeah. were restaurants. You could go into the temple, have a business lunch or a dinner date, in those temples, you could feast on the finest cuts of meats for a pretty great price. Mm-hmm. And so in that first century culture, families had dinner there, couples had dinner there. Mom would go to the meat area there and buy the meat from there, take it home and cook it. Now to the unbeliever, eating meat from a temple was like eating at Ruth's Chris versus Steak and Shake. I mean, you, you, you can't beat that. And you got Ruth's Chris at a Steak and Shake price, which is awesome. Although yeah. now... You might as well just go to Ruth's Chris because Stick and Shake is just, just as expensive. <laughs> so but expensive. that's a whole other episode. Right. 
But the Christians had a major issue with it. We cannot do that. We don't go into those temples. Those are, those are idolatrous places. Yeah. We don't go there. We don't do that. We serve the one true living God. We serve Yahweh who came as Jesus. Yeah. It wasn't just a restaurant. It was a temple, and it was a temple to idols. So the invitation would come often like this. Lord Zeus invites you to dinner at his house. Well, I don't want to eat with Zeus. Zeus is a God. Jesus is. So there's a problem, number one. Secondly, worshipers would bring animal sacrifice to the temple. They'd offer up the animals, and a portion would go to the idol. A portion would go to the priests who offered the idol, kind of a commission. And a portion would go to the public in the meat market. So you have the meat market. You have the restaurant. I mean, the temple, it was kind of the one-stop shop. You get idolatry with a side of mac and cheese. That's the second problem. Thirdly, many people would ask those gods to bless their food before they ate it because they believed that evil spirits would invade our body through our food. So they said, Zeus, Aphrodite, Apollo, whoever, please bless this food. And some even believed the idols themselves would bless the food with their own spirit. So when you sink into the ribeye, the idol would sink into you. So they're unbelievers before they have been born again. They didn't even care about all that. That was just the way of life. Now they've come to church. And they hear Pastor Paul or Barnabas or Apollos or any of those preachers, Peter, would preach that there is one God, his name is Jesus, there aren't other idols. And they remembered all the temples to those other gods, and they remembered some of the things they used to do in those temples. But now, you've got some Christians who are using the temple as a discount meat market, and they didn't even care because they knew better. They knew you could offer a million animals to a million idols. And when you pray a prayer to any of those idols, not one of those million could lift a finger to help you or to harm you. Mm. So they knew that idol is nothing. And Paul says that in Scripture. He says, we know, 1 Corinthians 8, we know an idol is nothing. Yeah. So to eat meat offered to an idol, there's no spirit that came with it. No spirit's going to get into you. No spirit's going to be around you just because you eat the meat. In that first century, the church had a major problem because you have these Gentiles who had issues with it because that's how they used to live, and now they've been born again, so they don't want, they don't want anything to do with it. Then you have others who are like, hey, guys, no big deal. Everything is fine. We have liberty to eat this because we know that everything is fine. And here's what's interesting. Both of them are right. Mm -hmm. Both of those guys... The ones who say an idol is nothing are correct. And those who say, I don't want to go there anymore because of what I used to do there, mm -hmm. they are also right. Yeah, yeah. So Paul gives us the first guideline, and here's the same guideline I believe that applies to should we celebrate Christmas. He says, if you are weak in understanding, this is not weak in conviction. In fact, those who are stronger in conviction would say, we don't go there, we don't do that. But if you're weak in understanding, if you think an idol could sink its teeth into you, or you think that you are worshiping an idol by eating meat that used to be offered to it, then don't do it. You, as, as the one who has a conviction against it, don't do it. Mm. Now, you who do, who do not have a conviction against it, you can do it, but you affirm their conviction at the same time. So let's Paul say made a good field training officer. He's telling Paul them made a great FTO. He would have made a wonderful. Don't, don't get hung up on the nineteen dollar lights. I need you to look at the big picture, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. And the big picture is the meat isn't going to hurt you. Isn't going to harm. Isn't going to help you. You're not praying to the to the idol to ask the idol to bless your food, and you're not staving off any evil spirit by eating the meat that was offered to that idol. 
So you're not, you're no worse off if you do this. I guess this would be a pretty good application. If somebody who says Christians should not celebrate Christmas because of pagan origins, and they are hung up on its pagan in origin, well, so was this practice. But Paul said this could be redeemed because its beginnings has no power. Mm -hmm. But if you have a problem with it, then when I'm around you, I'm not going to brag to you about all we did for Christmas and about all of our lights and all that. I'm going to do my best to remember your convictions and affirm them and say, good for you. But at the same time, you cannot put those convictions on me because this is not a Bible issue. This is a conscience issue. And in this particular case, these pagan origins that are purported to be evil are of themselves nothing because we do not worship the gods they were worshiping back then when we do what we do in our day. And maybe here's another example. Let's say you got a guy who used to drink all the time everywhere, and then he was born again, God filled him with the Holy Spirit, and he is living a life of victory, and, and he's never had even a desire for a drink again. Yeah. But he used to drink it, let's just pick a place that Mount Vernon does have Buffalo Wild Wings. He used to go into Buffalo Wild Wings all the time, drink with his buddies, drink until he just drank his mortgage away and destroyed his family. Now when the guys at the church say, hey, man, let's go to B-dubs, let's watch some football, and he says, I can't do that. Is he wrong? Mm. No. He remembers what he used to do in there, how it used to ruin his life. And while he may not have a desire to drink again, at the same time, he really doesn't have a desire to go back into that atmosphere. He is absolutely right. Right. But the guys at church who say, man, I'm good. I, I've never been tempted by that, never been a problem with me or for mm -hmm. me. They can go. They're right too. Yeah. But if they pressure him into going, they're wrong. And if he condemns them for going, he's wrong. So this whole concept of what's known as Christian liberty, if the Bible doesn't say it, then we have to ask ourselves, do I have liberty to do it? Mm -hmm. And here are some questions to ask specifically. Number one, does the Bible specifically permit or prohibit it? So let's ask, does the Bible say anything about Christmas trees and lights and ornamentation and all that kind of thing as yeah. it relates to Christmas? No, it doesn't. So it's, it's, it doesn't speak on this topic. Mm -hmm. Why am I doing this? Back to your point about motive. Am I doing this to worship? Or am I doing this because this is what surrounds the Christmas holiday and we're worshiping Jesus all throughout this holiday? Will this cause me to stumble or fall? Will I get farther from God as a result of doing this? And then lastly, will this cause anyone else to stumble or fall? If you can go through those and honestly answer each one of those questions with integrity and honesty, and you can say, no, the Bible doesn't say anything about it. I'm doing it because this is part of our worship of yeah. Jesus. This is just some of the trimmings we have in our home. Yeah. It's not causing me to stumble or fall. I'm still as close to God as I've been in time past. And as far as I know, it's not causing anybody else to stumble or fall. Then we have liberty to do that. Preacher, you think that even outside of Christmas and all of the different things somebody might pick apart, might scrutinize, that list you just gave... Could it be worthwhile to know that list, maybe even if you had to write it down and hang it on your fridge for a little while, when it comes to really any topic that's out there, if somebody says, well, I not only don't think Jesus was born on December 25th, we all understand that. What about when that applies to somebody saying, don't worship on a Sunday, or don't do this behavior, or don't 
conduct yourself this way. We could we maybe use that list as a rule to live by even. Absolutely we can. So Paul even de- Paul deals with this. What's so funny is we think this stuff is new. This isn't new. They dealt with this back in the New Testament church, and the New Testament church isn't new. It's two thousand years old. But Paul dealt with this very thing. Let's let's talk about the seventh day Sabbath as it relates to first day Sunday worship. The Old Testament, of course, establishes the seventh-day Sabbath, and that was all the way through. It's even in God's top ten list in the Ten Commandments. We come to the New Testament, and Jesus dies. He rises from the grave on the first day, and he pours out his Holy Spirit on the first day, on the day of Pentecost. The church meets to worship together on the first day, on Sunday. So it would seem as if God is giving them a different day, but almost ushering in a new era, a new day. And by that, I mean almost like an era of time where this is a new covenant. Now, if you're in a place, in in an area of the world, and you worship because maybe everything else is closed on Sunday and you can't fill up with fuel or get anything to eat, and and it's just Saturday makes sense to travel and go to a, a sanctuary and worship together with your brothers and sisters, well, then by all means, worship on Saturday. People who say, man, we should worship on Saturday, not Sunday, my response is worship on both days. Yeah, Every day is the day unto the Lord. So Paul says in Colossians, and he says in 1 Corinthians, and he says in Romans 14 about these very things, if you observe a day, observe it to the Lord. If you don't observe a day, observe it, or do not observe it as unto the Lord. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. So if you say, we have to worship on Saturday, and that's your conviction because for whatever reason, but you can't push that over on anybody else because Scripture doesn't say that. We have evidence and we have example in the New Testament where they worshiped on the first day of the week. And there are other issues like this that Paul mentions. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. So yes, we have this Christian liberty to do what we do unto the Lord. But if the Bible speaks specifically against it, then we don't have that liberty. The Bible is very clear because God is looking out for our good on those areas. I think that's brilliant. I think that when I write down the list of what you just gave, I think at the top of my header is just going to say that, do unto the Lord. And I don't think you could go wrong. No, not at all. Not at all. And this is not, this is not hyper grace that says, well, I can do whatever I want to do. I'll just do it unto the Lord. If the Bible speaks about it, and it does on so many issues, because once again, God is looking out for our good then we don't do those things because that's just simple. But these these gray areas, these should we, shouldn't we, then we have to ask, does the Bible specifically permit it or prohibit it? Why am I doing it? Will it cause me to fall? Will it cause anyone else? Sure. And then we answer or, those questions. Yeah, or are they just cheap Christmas lights? Right. Are they just $19 <laughs> Christmas lights? Exactly, exactly. Yes, sir. I, I like that big picture. I think I think the big picture, to caption that, we would say, just that, do unto the Lord. Everything that we do, we do unto the Lord. I think that's perfect. Very good. Very good. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us to have the right attitude and, and motive for anything. Whether we do celebrate it this Christmas, we celebrate it to worship Jesus. And if we don't celebrate it, we don't celebrate it because we consider not celebrating it as yeah. worship to Jesus. All right. Lord, thank you so much. You came. You incarnated yourself in human flesh so you could lay down your life for us. 
thank you for everything this holiday truly represents, truly means. I do ask you to help us in everything we do, in all our celebration, and all the festivities, and everything we do, that we would do it unto the Lord. We would do it to you as worship. For those who have convictions against this, I pray, God, you would help them when they do not observe this, that they would do not, they would not observe it. And that would be worship unto you, to stay close to you, to draw near to you. We ask you, Lord, in all things we do, help us to be unified, not to fight with one another, but to affirm one another, and help us, Lord, to knit our hearts together as a community of believers. I pray this today. Keep us safe throughout this holiday and all the busyness of it. Keep our hearts on you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much, policeman. You're welcome. Man, it's good to see you again. It's great to see you. Great to see you again. Yeah, this is always fun. It is. We'll do it again next time. And until that next time, whenever that next time is, Mm -hmm. I'm LJ. I'm the preacher. And I'm Andy. I'm the policeman. So be blessed. Be safe.